Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I got to tell you something. I have new neighbors. And I, 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 weirder than my building is, we've had these old Armenian neighbors that live for a while. And they always cook great food. It smells so good. But all these new neighbors, they, they, they smoke a lot of pot. Like I walk down, it's up front. There's this lady and her son. And the kid, he sits on the patio with something brown. I guess it's like a Philly blunt. And it just smells. And like I saw him yesterday at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And his eyes are wide open. He's like, hey, what's up, dude? And his mom just like walks up and down the street. I think it's his mom texting. And I'm sitting there. I noticed, though, here's what my apartment smells like every day. And, and Joanne notices, too. It smells like either really, really good food or pot. And it's weird because I guess the pot just, I mean, I used to smoke in college, but it's just the pot doesn't smell good. The food smells great. It's like this Russian stroganoff. But it's like, I'm thinking, I'm wondering if these people who smoke the pot smell the food and they get hungry. That would make sense to me. Anyway, that's my neighborhood. So it's great. I can't wait to get home and smell some pot. Uh, my guest today, I've known, ah, oh God, I've known for, for years. I think when, when I first moved to, not when I first moved to LA, because when I first moved to LA, I uh, waited tables at uh, Planet Hollywood in Beverly Hills. And then I, I when that closed, I got a job at the uh, Gordon Pierce in Burbank. And my guest, uh, Jason Witten, not the football player, Jason. What's up, Jason? <laughs> how you doing, man? We uh, we waited tables together. That was that was oh. you know that was how long ago was that? I was trying to think how long because I was married then. Yeah. And I lived in this crappy little studio over here because I just went through I was getting through a divorce and when I came to Burbank I lived in this little studio. It was tiny. And how was that like fifteen sixteen? Ninety eight to ninety nine was pretty much when I was there. Okay, because so. uh, did you did you open it? Yes. Okay. See, I didn't open it. I I, I came in like four months in. Yeah. And it's just weird that it was at the time people like Burbank ha- has changed so much and, and that's only 16 years there was like that little bookstore across the way they and got rid of that and then shut mat- those guys out the lucky liquor the liquor store there was a camera place there and it's all and, and, and no one knew what a microbrew is and now it's like it's going to, and we had we had the people we had this this crazy general manager named Greg Fain and this guy, he Dear was God. he would just get so hammered and hit on the two bartenders. He loved these two guys. And I don't know, do you remember like he would just drink Jägermeister? He eventually got canned from the gig, as far as I remember. Because I think on Oktoberfest, he bought the whole patio around the drinks yeah, on his yeah. GB car, which is people that holds like 150 people, so that's like a five hundred dollar, seven hundred dollar thing. Yeah. Well, he canned me before uh, that all happened. Why, why did you get canned? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was like, I thought I was doing well, you know. I, I was I was top day sales, you know. And then I come in one day and they're like, Jason, it's, it's, it's time. It's time for you to go. It's so funny. And yeah, so there was a big thing where I came in. I was so upset. I came in the day they were going to can me. And I went to go talk to him in the back. And I had a, I took one of the Gordon Beers coasters and I flipped it over and I wrote my employee number on there. And I taped it to my chest and I walked in there. <laughs> I'm just a number to you, Greg. Right. Yeah. Now, so, now, now, you're from Houston originally. I'm from Houston, yes. Now, now I know, and Jason's a very good singer-songwriter. Thank you. And uh, I, actually, I was telling him I have his, God, from when you were at GB, I remember, still remember going to the Coconut Teaser on uh on sunset and it's gone now and i did comedy there a little like a few years later and i remember i was with my ex-wife and she liked his music and and we actually we bought your your first uh i guess it was a cd then because that's first one. there wasn't for cowboy yes I okay ha- uh, yeah and yeah. i but now now growing up in houston because your country is I mean, how would you how would you describe your music yeah it, it kind of goes in between country and a lot of people call it americana and folk um and i fall into like kind of like a singer songwriter I love to use all just, you know, the acoustic instruments, you know, not not too many drum tracks or anything like that. All real drums, you know, and we use banjo, we use mandolin, we use a lot of fiddle, and of course the acoustic guitars. And we have some electric, but that's like lap steel, pedal steel. So we keep it very traditional. Now, when you were a kid in Houston, was, was your family musically inclined, or when did you start the, playing? <clears throat> excuse me. My uncle was actually a guitarist, and he played, um, yeah, he played... A, he had a couple of guitars that he played, played a lot around town. Um, he's from Mount Pleasant, Texas, which is a hole in the wall. <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, there were fiddle players in the neighborhood. So I grew up, you know, I didn't really listen to them, but I knew that they were, you know, they were doing that kind of stuff. Um, really, I didn't get into music until about, you know, I'd say 17, you know, when Garth Brooks was exploding onto the country scene and I heard the dance on the radio and, um, and that was it. That pretty much made me decide, yeah, this is what I want to do, you know, singer-songwriter. And um, I would say he's one of my first, you know, 
steps into wanting to do this. So you didn't you didn't pick up a guitar like when you were a kid you weren't like playing guitar or you weren't I mean you're listening to music I guess. Right, but. I was always you know I was always around and I was always interested in it. But yeah, I didn't pick it up until about seventeen. That's really weird because you know a lot of times it's it's because with what I've gotten from music it's not like you know comedy or acting you know acting people may start when they're younger or you know they go to college and they decide they want to do it and comedy is the same way you know a lot of people who would watch comedy they couldn't do the clubs of course you're not going to go into the clubs when you're 16 because you can't get in but for music it's weird that you started uh so late because most musicians you hear that they just start playing when they're good i mean not good when they're young mm -hmm. so now when you what i mean did you just sit there and decide i want to play the guitar or i mean and what did you do did you go get one or what yeah what i um I we contacted some lady. She was selling it on Craigslist. It was a uh, this old. I still have it. They say you should keep your first guitar. You never should get rid of it. It's an old classical aria, A R I A. I think that's how you pronounce. I it. I actually had uh, a guitar, but I sucked. I took it. I bought it off my friend because <laughs> yeah. he was a really good guitarist. And it was a, a was there an L O R I a Lori? Maybe. All right. It was an acoustic electric, and I had that little okay. amp box you could stick in. Yeah. yeah. But I sucked. I, I learned. Dun, 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 from a heartbreaker <laughs> yeah. that's all I ever learned and I sit there and I would listen and I go oh yeah and it didn't sound like it I had, I'm like tone deaf <laughs> but so so you got this guitar it's an area I have, I've heard of that brand. yeah they're classical guitars um, so you have nylon strings but I didn't know all this stuff so I, it was a right handed guitar and I started playing it right handed and because um, I'm a lefty oh you're a lefty okay. naturally a lefty but sports I'm righty I'm kind of a little, little bit of both um, but I was horrible at it, and I put it down for about a year. And then one day I was just, you know, looking around and saw some people playing left-handed guitar. And I was like, you know, let me string it up lefty, even though it's, it's, it buzzes because the top, you know, yeah, okay, doesn't have uh, so, the... Yeah, when, okay, for the righty and lefty, do you yeah. just turn it upside down? Is that? I mean, how does that work? No, it's actually, people always think, oh, you take a right-handed guitar and you play it upside down. Well, really, the lefty and a righty is a mirror image of each other. Okay. So the strings have to still go low to high. So you need to string it up low to high when you're playing it lefty. But what that does is at the top where the nut is, they're all there's different um it's cut differently to match the strings. So if you flip it up if you just change the strings, you get a lot of buzzing. So I played it like that, not knowing and played it with, you know, regular strings and it was it sounded horrible, but it you know, kind of got me more interested and bought more and more guitars and bought a bunch of lefty guitars whenever i see them usually that's that's the way i used to do it. if i there was a lefty guitar at guitar center i would get it because out of 500 600 guitars you go in there maybe three of them are lefties i was gonna say yeah because it's like they always say because mccartney was a left-handed bass player i think he bought it at a pawn shop because it, but it was a lefty and that's i guess he learned lefty or something it, like that it's weird for the fact that there are, I mean, of course, right-handed will always be dominant, and that's yes. just the way it is. I mean, look, you know, if you're a baseball player, if you're a left-handed catcher, you're going to make millions because there's no left-handed catchers. Just like even baseball pitchers. If you're yeah. a great left-handed pitcher, you're going to make more money than a great right-handed pitcher. But you think now, because there are more lefties, you think they would make more lefty guitars, and it's just, I guess they think, screw them. You know, we can make get more money if they sit there and they have to get it custom-made. Yeah. I, you know, I, I pay, I play a lefty Larravee and, um, they're a Canadian company and they're amazing. I recorded everything with that, with those guitars and I, they're incredible. You know, they're handmade though. I, I guess they had a deal with Guitar Center. I don't know this for sure, but I know they were there at one point cause I actually bought one from them and then all of a sudden they disappeared and you can go on their site and get the guitars now, but I think it's just, they, you're right. They just want to crank out these guitars, righties. They don't care. You know, it's just about a mass production of it. It's like the McDonald's of the guitar world. Right. And I think that company backed out because they're like, look, we hand make these things. We're not going to just, you know, I guess they didn't want to go the, you know, the Doc Martin route where, oh, no, these are handmade. Oh, you want us to mass produce? Well, let's go to China. Let's go to right. Mexico. You know, but they're still, as far as I know, they're still handmade in Canada. I could be wrong, but. So you started playing when you were 17. Yeah. And now it's just sitting there and you, you found out you're a lefty at like 18. Okay, you found out. Pretty you know, much, yeah. And so now when you started playing, were you writing songs or were you just listening to the radio or were you saying, okay, I like Garth Brooks, I'm going to play this? Or were you sitting there going, when you when you took it up, did yeah. you say, I want to, I actually want to write songs or you just say, I just want to be a guitarist? I mean, what was your, at 17 and 18, we really yeah. were punks. We really don't know what's going on. Right. So I mean, what was your thing when you picked it up, when you finally said, okay, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this at the point where like, you know, it's, what did you what did you want to do? Yeah, the goal was to learn how to play so I could write songs. That was pretty much it. And um, 
As soon as you learn to play three or four chords, that's it. That's all you need. I mean, that's what they always say, three or four chords and the truth. So I just started writing songs immediately, and it just kind of, I've never stopped. So, you know, probably several hundred in the book, you know, I don't know. I haven't counted. Where do you find your, I mean, because the thing that always fascinates me is, is when someone writes a song, first of all, you have to, you know, because we've all tried to do it. It's like poetry, you know. You have to rhyme stuff or you don't have to rhyme stuff. Now, I don't think it's as much. But what always amazes me is that when you write, okay, the lyrics are hard enough. But the music, to me, is harder because if you have a great, if you, you, you can have shitty lyrics if, if you have a great sounding, you know, I mean, think of some of these songs, you know, it's like they're so basic, but the, the beat, like the Ramones, beat mm-hmm. on a brat, stuff like that. They're, they're, they're stupid lyrics, but there's such an infectious beat. Mm-hmm. How would you, would you sit there and write the, the, the lyrics first or the, or the song or the music first? Or how, how do you do that as a singer songwriter? I guess you just, you, when you play enough, you start to play, you know, chord progressions, you know, where you just, you, know from just playing it thousands of times hey this is going to change here this is what i'm going to do oh if i want it to go to a minor chord let me do that um and then usually if i'm it's it's gotten to the point now where i can actually think of melodies i'm a lot of stuff i'll do in my truck you know i'm driving around and you'll get ideas and the melody will come you know mostly the melody and then a lot some of the lyrics and then you get home and then you just start you know playing it along along with the guitar and you just you just after doing it for so long you start to just know what chords are going to match the melody and and then you just kind of kind of putting it like a foundation down we got them you got the melody then you got the chords and then you kind of build the structure of the song and then try to make some sort of you know cohesive thought you right. know um sometimes i'll go in and i'll say or i'll, I'll get inspired by an event you know, like um, like the Cowboys losing. I had to say, oh, (laughs) I just had to say because I know you're a Cowboys fan, and and it's funny his name is the same as spelled him. It's Jason Witten, and I'm an Eagles fan. You know, and and you know what? I'm just gonna say in a real quick. You're you're a nice Cowboy fan, but there's so many idiot Cowboy fans out there, and it's none of you true fans. The true fans are pretty nice. I mean, you know, and he gets some guys who talk crap, and that's understandable, and I understand it because I'm an Eagles fan. We talk crap. But yeah. the true fans are, are nice guys. But it says all these idiots that sit there and go, "Don't be a hater." You're t- you're t- 19. How are you even a Cowboys fan? Like yeah. you know, you so you've liked the Cowboys the whole time. They've sucked for the last years, and it just I said bust your balls for that. But anyway, so so you get a melody, and yeah. what happens? Um, you know, just like I said, you you kind of I kind of bring that home. I bust out the guitar, I start strumming, and then I figure out. I mean, it's not really complicated when you break it down you're like there's only so many chords you know there's tons of them but there's you know it kind of gets into a smaller section of what sounds really good you know c and g and f and d and a and you just find a way to work them into the song and um i don't know it, it doesn't always happen the same way sometimes i'm strumming a chord progression and a melody starts to kick in or no. I've got the melody and I take it home and then add the... the well, the melody is... Well, wh- where do the lyrics come in? Lyrics can come in automatically. I do a lot of... This is silly, but I do a lot of... Um, <laughs> all right, one of my favorite artists is Eminem. I think everybody that knows me... Hey, Eminem's great. Eminem's an amazing lyricist. Amazing talent. So you, I do a lot of... Sometimes if I'm writing to do stream of consciousness, you practice that kind of style like when I'm driving around like a rapping yeah so your 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 brain is going so fast that when you slow it down and you're trying to think of lyrics for a song that might be a, an acoustic song as opposed to a rapid fire um, you know the stuff that he does it it makes it a lot easier to have words when you're thinking three and four lines ahead you start to get more inventive with the rhymes that you make and that's the goal is to not always rhyme those same words that a lot of some a lot of songwriters get trapped into the, the basic rhymes you know putting a twist on it or some weird you know trying to squeeze some weird phrase into it and make it sellable you now know? now when you do that and you said when you're driving around and stuff which i always think is when you're driving around i think when you're about to go to sleep it's you're on that certain they say you're in a different consciousness yeah. it's like with comics that's what they say keep a mic uh note next to you in the bed but nah, screw that but uh but for you now do you record that i mean do you do you have a yeah. recorder in your truck because i mean with, with the worst and you know how this is the worst is when you have that great idea and you go i'm gonna write it down or i'm gonna do it and you don't and then like an hour later you're sitting there and you you can know the beginning and even though the the rest of the part should be so obvious yeah 
it doesn't i mean do you record there are many ways that i i used to record into a phone um and that was such a bad recording um a lot of times luckily i'm not too far from home and i'll literally just keep singing it over okay. and over again i'll get in and i'll immediately go to the guitar and i'll put it down then when i have the kind of the beginnings of the song i just go to my laptop i have a mac and i pull up uh the the guitar oh gosh i can't think of it it's a very simple program. You just click it open. You can literally record right into the laptop. And those are the song ideas. And I've got dozens and dozens of those sitting there. And then if some of them start to stick in my head and I go back and revisit them, I go, oh, that sounds good. Let me build another verse or two on that. And I pull that out, and then that becomes an actual song that makes it into a song book. And I transfer it to paper and pen with the chords so that I don't... You know, seeing the lyrics helped me remember the melody as well, but it's always nice to have that original reference, even though it kind of morphs eventually into the song. Isn't it amazing uh, just the way technology is? Like you said with the Mac, like for it's me, I, I had to do a um, a voiceover audition, and I wanted to get in the studio, sit there because this is a the qual it's a MP3 recording. They said MP3 or Wave, and I just took my tablet out and I went upstairs and I closed the door, and there was no sound. And it was amazing the the quality. And true, it's not you're not going to sit there and submit it to you know a final product. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing what we can do now. I mean, that was just with a, a tablet. That was like a thing. And it's just I mean, for you, it must be great that you can just sit there and you can actually like, mix all the stuff in the computer. Yeah, I I actually went to um, school out uh, to audio engineering school out here in Burbank, and uh, you know got a got the Mac, got a I got a basically a full working studio at my house. So eventually, when I take the ideas and I really want them, I, I work. I'm working with my producer buddy right now, Brian Starley. He's he's the one that's been helping me get this EP going, um, and he's got an incredible studio. But I try to do you know at least a decent foundation to go over to him with, and then if we want to use it, we can, or we just re-record it in his studio. But okay. I have good enough mics, and I have. You know, you need you need some basic equipment. You know what I mean? If you can spend a couple thousand, I know that sounds like a lot, but that's getting your Mac, getting a good Mac, getting the Pro Tool system, getting some good plugins and all that stuff. Getting the basics. Um, you know, maybe fifteen hundred. You know, if you can get away with it. But um, you know, it helps to do as much pre-production to and then going in. It makes recording there. Uh, you know. A lot easier. That's what's killing studios. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, it's true. It's like back in the day, I mean, you had to do everything I've, and they could charge you out the ass. But now it's like, you can go in. I mean, you before, you can, you can walk in and pretty much say, okay, this is what I'm laying down because you've done it already and you've heard it. I mean, that's what's amazing. And so mm -hmm. it makes it great. It makes it great and it makes it crappy for the fact that it was great back then when people had to spend money and you had to be talented to spend money. Now you can get some hack whose dad gives him two thousand dollars. He can do this stuff, and I mean, you know, I mean, it's just it's honestly. But you get like, what you pay for, right? But these it, guys come know. out; these kids can say, "Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a song," because yeah. it does. They don't be in the studio for long, and then you sit there and come on. So I've recorded. I've recorded on two inch tape. The thrift store cowboy was a demo at one point, a five song demo. I don't know if do you, do you know Mate Studios back from no, I don't way I back. Don't. Okay, well they we. They're famous for having like GNR come in there back in the heyday and record, you know, rehearsing and stuff. And they were trying to do like a recording studio. So back in the day, I went in there, bought, literally went and bought the two inch tape. We recorded it. The guys like, you know, the old school splicing with the razor blades yeah. and everything. And it is what it is. I mean, you're recording through analog gear, which is like, you know, nice amps. And you, there's that warmth that everyone always talks about, even though some people are like, I don't know what that is, but there's something warm about it. But it is true. I, I like to have, even though I do a lot of digital recording, everything that I've put out at some point has gone through analog gear to give it that that other bit of life that you don't get through digital. Well, yeah, and you want that. It's it's like it's like the albums. I mean, you know, it's you know, like uh, the sound one hundred ever plays like album side weekend sometimes. Do album, and it's just great to just hear that little that little, you know, that, that noise because it makes it. I think. I think it's for if you're older, it makes you reminisce. Remember when you were a kid? Like you know, mm -hmm. there was nothing like getting an album. I remember we used to ride our bikes up to this tower. It was Tower Records, I think, or not it was it was no, it was some of it was like wall to wall sound. I think mm -hmm. we would ride our bikes, you know, our little bikes. We had like money from a paper route. We would ride like two miles around a traffic circle, and you would get like I remember getting Tom Petty or Elvis Costello, and you bring it home and you open it, and then you read the you read in the lyrics, and then you put it on the um, you put it on a turntable. 
and it was great. And now you think of it like, wait, you know, you think, wow, wait, we had to stop and turn it over, which I don't know how people listen to. I mean, I listen to 45s and you yeah. stack them up on top, but it was, it, it was just that, it's that warmth. And it's just, I think, because it makes people reminisce about when they first got introduced to music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, and it's, um, God, that's, it's so funny that it's just disappeared. And there actually has, I'll say this, there actually has been kind of a resurgence of, I mean, and I live in Highland Park. I think there are like two or three record shops now. There's, you know, they're bringing them back and people are actually starting a little bit more to go back to the turntables and buying LPs. And, but it's definitely, you know, if you look at the change, I mean, I think it kind of started, I don't want to pick one particular artist, but Gwen Stefani, like when she started doing the solo stuff, and that was when I first heard, oh, she got a million downloads. You know, it's like downloads. Right. It went from music sale, you know, CD sales to downloads. And it and she, you know, she wasn't the only one, but it's just an example of, you know, when I first started hearing, oh, okay, we're definitely in the digital era. And I, I don't think it's ever going to go back to the way it was. But, you know, it's definitely ruled by you know 15 16 year old kids buying all these crazy pop yeah. songs that are smashed down sonically and they don't care because they don't know the difference that's 99 cents uh, you know i mean you can go in and yeah. get it i mean it's so funny I, actually this is no lie i still have a i still have cassettes and i don't have a cassette I, my car i have an old car my car my car is a 1995 <laughs> toyota tercel and it's missing a hubcap and i i got another hubcap i got those cheap hubcaps i'm gonna follow up and my car i mean it's a piece of crap and it's so funny and my girlfriend was when she first started flying i would fly back and forth to see her she's like well, why don't i get a new car i said well i'll go get a mercedes i just won't come and see you and you know and it's the way it is but for me it has a, and it has one hundred and eight thousand miles so i'll keep the thing forever but i have a cassette player and it's weird when you put cassettes because that's just it's so different and it's how the music has changed like you know i'm from the era where i remember eight tracks my brother having an eight track and, and it's just so funny how it's come from like an eight track which was like that thick tape and it would click in between programs like in the middle of a song like boston more than a feeling would go quick mm. to now where it's like Exactly. You you just you're listening to something that you listen through like no one has nice stereos anymore. Like remember I mean, you had a nice stereo and you listen to the sound or an album and now it's just like everyone listens to these little Walkmans and it sounds great, but I don't think they get the full experience of the movie of the yeah. music. To the point where you'll hear a lot of you'll see a lot of things on iTunes that say mastered for iTunes. Because people are, the producers are in there going, Okay. And that's what you have to do as, as someone who is an indie artist you have to think like a producer. You have to, you know, the classic thing is, oh, well, let's listen to it on the, you know, the nice monitors in the studio. Let's take it. Let's listen to it in a car. Let's take it and put it on, put it on your headphones, scrunch it down so that you know what it's going to sound like when it comes out in MP3 form or whatever that, um, whatever iTunes does to shrink the, the file to an MP3. Um, you're constantly thinking that way because you want, you want to hear it the way it, in as many, ways you as you can you know considering thinking about how the listener's going to listen to it either in the car or at home or when they're running jogging and you have to think of all those things when you're when you're mixing so right. it's it's you know can drive you crazy now i want to ask you okay we were talking earlier about when you were writing songs and you were in houston okay now when you started writing songs I mean, at what point did you decide that it's time? I mean, what brought you to L.A.? Did you, did you, I mean, were, you were you, when you were in Houston, when you were writing songs, were you playing gigs in there or were you just uh, just learning or were you not playing gigs or how, what happened? You know, I moved right after that. Um, so how old were you when you came to L.A.? I was, well, I was actually 17 when I came to California, but I, my, my family moved to Temecula, California. Okay. And Very nice I, town. I was, I was there a while ago. You know, Very hot. I was up there for, uh, we went for a wine tasting and it was like, it was like 99 in Burbank that day, so you know it's going to be whatever. But it seemed like it, I, mean, I think it's probably going. It seemed like it'd be a pretty hip, hip little place. You know, I mean, when I moved there, it, there weren't many stoplights. I right. mean, this is like you know. Now that a whole nice downtown. Yeah, the the downtown area is getting nice. The wineries are all have always been there, and they've always been nice. But if you live there, you go there once or twice, and you're like, okay, I did it. You know, it's like. It's like going to the Man Chinese Theater or whatever in LA. Right. You do it and you're like, I've yeah. done it. So you move there and yeah. now, but you're playing guitar. So now, when do you decide that, you know, I mean, when did you decide that you, you want to pursue this? Because, you know, it's like anything. Yeah. You're writing songs, whatever. But at some point, we have to decide, okay, we want to pursue something. How sure. old were you decided you really I think wanted to do it? It was a couple it? years into it and I started doing demos. Were you yeah. going to school or anything or what were you doing? Were you going to college before that? I, I got. Uh, 
<laughs> I got a speech scholarship to go to Northern Arizona University, I which is a, big, a speech geek. Like, like debate. It, it, there are two sides of the speech world. There's debate, and then there's you know there's like interp, and okay. that's where you do drama and prose and poetry, and all the genres of you know of literature. And you go and you perform these in, in colleges, and we performed all over the country, um, and it there it's a really huge thing. There are speech geeks out there that know what I'm talking about. Um, but basically, you know, you have a little black book that has your material in it and you do like 10 minute pieces and you go to all these tournaments and you get judged on them. Isn't it funny now that's like the spoken word and that's like the storytelling that it's so, so huge out here. That's exactly the same thing pretty much. Yeah. It, it, that's pretty, it's almost exactly it. Yeah. Um, and you know, we did really well the two years I was there, we finished third and fourth in the nation. And, um, and it was, it was awesome. It was great to be able to travel around and, and, you know paid for a good chunk of my college and you know those are good memories of i it was in flagstaff arizona so really beautiful up there it took me about two years to get used to the snow because you know we don't see a oh, lot yeah, of cause, no, cause I, I was just i was just there for in october for a football game and it was so warm but they do get snow out there oh yeah i mean you're at seven thousand feet okay up in flagstaff you know you're only two hours or so from phoenix you know we we go down to phoenix and visit but you know, Sedona's right down the way from there. It's gorgeous. If you've never been there, it's beautiful. I mean, the red rocks are gorgeous. And I always want to go back. I want to go visit, but it's, it's, I think I've been there once or twice since you I left. Book some gigs there. Especially, right? you, you could play, definitely you could play in, uh, in down, in down. We were, we were stayed in Tempe, mm-hmm. and there's all these bars, and, you know, and such college kids love music. I sure. mean, I don't know if they love music anymore. College has changed a lot. But so, so you got out of college, and yep. then you, you moved back to, Got to L.A. in 98. Okay, so so what made you do Was there something that said I'm moving? I mean, was there an epiphany? Or was there, I used that word twice today. I never use it, epiphany. I usually <laughs> say, I go, was there a point? Was there something that happened? But I said epiphany. I don't even know. I don't, never mind. But uh, so you said, uh, so what made you decide to move to L.A.? It was for the music and for. So you you said I'm you got you're done with the speech. You didn't want to become like a a, a public speaker or anything like that or a toastmaster. Yeah, leader I mean, or, pretty much. If you take speech in school, you know, to go further, you're basically going to end up in speech and teaching speech or right. maybe on a speech team as a director of forensics or something like that. And some of my friends did, you know, some of them went on to get their masters and did something else with it, but. Um, you know, it, it really wasn't for me. I, I spent a long time on, you know, in school and then, um, you know, came out here for, you know, try my hand in music, maybe get a, maybe get an agent, maybe do some acting. Now, I kind of had the acting bug back in the day. Where did you move first? Cause I always ask people with the first place. Cause I mean, well, you, cause you were close to Temecula. I always crack up when I have like, you know, actors who were in New York or like, or in Chicago for second city and they come out and they've never been to LA and it's usually they know someone, but it, yeah. it's, and I always say, if you didn't grow up here, LA is so different because it looks nice, but then it can be very crappy. Like, like, as I always say, if you look at, if there's check cashing stores and and a lot of fast food places in different languages on those billboards, it's not always the best neighborhood for, yeah, for like nice me and spot. you for whitey, you know, because we're whitey. But uh, <laughs> but so so now, where did you first move? Did you move to Burbank first? No, luckily enough, we knew some people from the speech world, and um, a friend of ours drove us around. We drove right through. Who? Lo- it was just. Who was you moved by yourself, or did you? Oh, uh, I moved out here with my with my college uh, sweetheart okay. Beth, and uh, we moved out here. Beth from Gordon Beers. Yes, I didn't know you guys went to Man, college together. Many, yeah, many oh, months I ago. That. I remember and, you went out with her. I never yeah. you guys went out to college yeah. together. Yeah, met her met her at, in Flagstaff. So you guys moved out here, and and where did you end up living? Uh, Los Feliz. Some some people call it Los Feliz. That's a great. I mean, now it's hipster it was central, but it's great. Amazing. It's, a, it's a beautiful area. And I don't know. I think we moved because we got the job in Burbank, and we're like, "This is just too crazy to commute." We, you know, not thinking, not knowing that that's just the reality in LA. You and know? you know, it's funny when you say that, and it's so funny that you say that because you know, if you like, I went to a show at the Greek, which is in Los Feliz, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and when you look it up, because it were, I, 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 had to go, I went to the Steve Allen Theater a few weeks ago, which is right on, and it's like, it's so funny. We're like, oh, this is crazy. But it, what's amazing is it's only like seven miles or five miles from Burbank to Los Feliz. And, and you, it's true though. You sit there and you go, and if you don't, if you haven't been out here, it's, that can take 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and you sit there and go, wait a second, I'm just getting on the five for two exits. And so I can imagine it. Yeah, it must have been like we're every like, day. We're like, screw it. We're moving to Burbank. And then I was in Burbank for a while and I no. ended up uh, 
teaching. I, well, I was subbing. I, I subbed in Burbank for like six years. And now then. you were doing your music. Now, mm-hmm. at what point did you, I know, because this was, you know, how long were you out here until you started getting gigs? Well, you kind of have to get those. You know what I mean? You have to get, put your music out there. And it's you start from the very base, you know. Maybe you're going out and doing open mics. And then people that are there, maybe they're, you know, this is this is a while ago. And maybe there were people that were actually in the audience that were like, oh, let's let's get this guy in, you know. It's. I think it's changed quite a bit, you know. Now when I play out, you know, you just just from over the years, I have emails from people that from you know different places. Um, I love playing the Hotel Cafe, which has got really really famous there for a while. Um, but it's a great spot. It's a great place to play, and it's a great place to say you've played. You know, it's one of those one of those spots. What's it called? Hotel Cafe. Where's that at? It's in Hollywood. It's right off right off of Hollywood. Um, gosh. I'm trying to think because I lived in I lived in Hollywood, Hollywood for a while. Okay, pretty close to there. So you were playing out. Now, when did you do thrift store? When when did that come out? And how yeah. did you go about getting that produced? I mean, I'm sure you had to self produce it because. Or did, what, what happened with it? It was there were a couple of guys that that helped me with the record. Um, my buddy John ended up recording it all at his house, and on and it was kind of one of the first records that he had done, and um, yeah, we we kind of just all put put our efforts together and came, you know, wrote all, wrote all the tracks and we recorded it and put it out an independent release. That was 2006 and a little while ago. <laughs> Wait, no, but no, I'm trying to think. No, no, 2000. No, well, well, no, but I remember buying it at your show. I thought, mm-hmm. but that wasn't, that was before 2006. Well, like I was saying, that was probably some version of it that ended up being the actual record. Okay, no, okay, here's here's what I'm remembering. You have now. something even older than that. No, okay, I have, I believe, no, I I, I know, and this is, maybe I'm wrong, I know Thrift Store Cowboy, and this, this I'm, I have an idiot savant memory, you're wearing like a yellow jacket on the cover. Oh, wow. Or a denim, a corduroy jacket. Is it, all you see is the long coat? Or am sure. I on the cover? I think with you're on my, a cover. You're on a cover you with a hat. see my face. But I swear oh, I have something of you that has a drawing on it. Oh my gosh! That That's what is, I got. Oh, the coconut teaser. Are you kidding me? Okay, that was one of the early demos. That's what eventually turned in some of those songs on there. I don't even know if maybe one of those songs ended up on the record. I don't know because I yeah. remember just I remember having that, and then I had thrift store. And that's so funny because now that I thought about it, I was getting too confused. So, but you had because that one's old. That's like that, that's that, like yeah, 2000. early 2000s. Yeah, because yeah, no, it was the wait. We you moved here what year? To Burbank? Yeah, we moved. We we worked at Gordon Beers for what year? It was ninety eight, ninety nine. So basically. that's like that's like that that's like ninety nine. That, yeah, that's what that been. one is. Jeez. So that okay, so that you had that, and then now and then, how did you pick what what went to that to the your to the to eventually out of the record? Yeah. Um, I started working with a buddy, my buddy Sebastian. He was a drummer, and we just started playing a lot together and jamming. And we had a bass player, and we had you know just some musicians around and you know basically called on some favors and brought them all in to play on the record and um it was it was definitely a, a really cool collaborative effort to to bring those songs to life um and you know i, st- I still love a lot of those songs you know you, some of them some of them you just don't play anymore because right. it just after the years you just kind of well how do but, you because you said you have so many songs how do you choose? I, I think because I think every song, it's I mean, you, you know, it's like the old scenario. Someone goes, "Oh, name your top ten movies." Or name your top. 10. You can't because you know it's like depends what mood you're in. Like, what yeah. are your top ten albums? Well, like one day I'll listen to the Who, one day I'll listen to Pearl Jam. It's just the way it is. And that's me as a as a as a listener or a watcher. For you as a songwriter, I mean, how do you decide? Because you must love them all. And because my feeling would be is if you didn't love them all. The ones that sucked, you wouldn't play anymore. I mean, when when you sit there and have all these songs, like for like your first like thrift store cowboy, how did you sit there and go, okay? I mean, you're picking from probably fifty, six, whatever song, and you're and you have to pick five or six. How do you do that, or do you get input from people? Or sure, yeah, and then you just kind of you know, there's a I think there's a classic Willie Nelson song that talks about how he's written thousands of songs, but you'll never hear them because a lot of them are bad, you know? I mean, you just kind of whittle it down. It's like, you know, it's like sculpting, I guess. You have where you're starting and you have the really good ones and you have the amazing ones that you think are going to go somewhere. And that's those are the ones you focus on, you know, recording and getting them down as, as well as you can. And hopefully, you know, it, they do well. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the approach, I think, for a lot of people is you start with a good bunch of songs and then through just – 
the way you feel about them or you talk to your producer or like you say you give it to a handful of friends and they say oh i really like this one and then you just kind of eventually you whittle them down because you have to you only can release about 10 to 12 really on a record that's the smart thing to do because if you do any more than that you should just do another record or an ep you know and um but that's that's pretty much the process whittling down and you know, some of them are brand new and you think, oh, my God, you know, your favorite song sometimes is the song you just wrote. <laughs> so you're right. like, so maybe a lot of some of the new songs will get on there or you'll have an old song. And you're like, man, I really love that song. Just never got around to recording it. Hey, let me pull that in. Um, that happened on this this the EP that I just finished is, you know, I was in there and my producer just goes, you know, send me all your stuff, play some stuff for me. And I played him a song. And he he loved it. He's like, man, we got to put that on the record. So sometimes it's not even your decision. You don't you maybe one of those things you're not even thinking about, and then somebody that you're working with loves it, and you record it, and happens like that as well. Now your new EP, what's yeah. the, what's the title of it? My way home. Okay. Now now when was the last time you recorded an EP before this? Was um, it, it was a while, right? I released uh, in 2012. I did uh, an EP called Broken Horses. Uh, now how many of which you gave me? Okay, that was yeah. 2012. Yeah. And now this one, what I mean, you're of course you're always going to create music, but what what made you feel like right now after the 2012 release? What made you feel like okay, now it's time to release another one? Was it yeah. something that you said I want to release something every two years, or is it just something yes. that you said I just have too much freaking songs? I gotta I gotta do something with these. Else, I'm going to go crazy. I mean, yeah. what made you decide to record now? Well, you recorded uh, what a few months ago. Yeah, this is and it's an ongoing process. So what made you what made you come out with it now? Just to be, you know, to have new music out there, you know, and it's it's so easy to and you know, there's you can put it up on iTunes pretty quickly, you know what I mean? So it's it's it, there's so much access. Um even though this, you know, the system is flooded with so many artists, but it's it's good to be out there and I think it's good to have current releases because then it was just too long of a gap from thrift store to broken horses. It was like six years. And I know you and had a, you had a you had a, a, a daughter, right? Well, yeah, that'll that'll uh, slow it's, the that, that took, process I mean, so, so, down sometimes. And now and then, so that takes time. So, but then you did. Now, did you like with broken horses? Mm -hmm. Did your daughter? It's your daughter, right? You have a daughter. Yes, okay. Maya. Did, did did she come into any of the songwriting? Did you see her? Did your songwriting start changing once you became a father? Instead of being you know a single punk drinking beers, a blonde box of Gordon Biersch, Yeah. When you became a dad, did that change your whole? Did it change your view of music and your songwriting? And do you incorporate it, or do you get uh, do you get inspiration from her? Is she like a little muse or anything like that? Absolutely. One of the songs, the the closing track on the EP, "My Way Home," is is a song about her. Um, and there, and yeah, she's definitely, I've, I've written several songs with, with her in mind. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I always love having inspiration. She's definitely, you know, changed my life for the better. And I think it can only affect your art. Um, sometimes, you know, when, when they're first born, you're just trying, you know, oh, don't, yeah. I don't want to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as she got older and she's such a well-adjusted kid, you know, and she's just, yeah, she's very inspirational. So definitely uh, comes through in the art does she sing or anything does she have like do you, do you see any music talent in her or do you sit there and say yeah, yeah, she's you... she's just really smart and really funny but you know literally last night you know she's sitting there she's like dad i think i want to be an artist i think i want to be like an actor or something like that and i'm i'm like yeah but hey that's a long road you know <laughs> so, oh yeah <laughs> but how old is she she's eight okay well that's good that's cool though because you know that's good that she sits there and can say I want to be an artist because usually when kids are eight they don't give a crap about art you know they, they I mean you think about when you're eight you know you you want to be a professional athlete or I, I think I wanted to be a sportscaster and you don't sit there and go oh, I want to be an artist and because you know and that's what's great now that art is kids get art you know like my parents took me to art museums when I was a kid which I hated but years later I said wow this is really cool I'm cultured you know I'm not like uh -huh, uh -huh, you know what I mean and so that's cool so now so she does she know that you've written songs about her yeah oh yeah I, I share them with her. I play them. No, so obviously, play them. they're her favorite songs. Does, <laughs> does she like when you play? I mean, does she listen? Yeah. Or because kids are usually fidgety, or does she? You know, I mean, or does she sit there and she really enjoy it? Yeah, I think so. I think she's pretty into she it. She might be I lying mean, to you. No, she could be lying to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man, she's pretty receptive of it. I think, and I've never really had any you know issues with her you know and she's she's constantly hearing me sing probably since she's been born. So I just think it's just something doesn't even phase her you know now i want to ask you we talked about the kickstarter 
Yes. Um, okay. Now, well, I'll explain that to people because, okay, you have, you, okay, right now, you brought me the Wild Horses CD, which is yeah. cool. And I'll go and I'll listen to it. And maybe I'll listen to it when I write, you know, because I, I listen to music when I write. And, uh, not cool. music. I'll steal. I'll steal all your ideas. <laughs> but uh, no. So now the 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 wild. What what? Where are you at? And what do you, what is the Kickstarter for? Well, yeah. The the Kickstarter is basically we have the EP, and that's going to be something that will uh, give to people who want to contribute to the. You have record. that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you know what? There's that crowdsourcing thing that a lot of artists are doing now. They have this project that they want to work on. It don't, like for in this example. It's a record we're trying to make. We're trying to raise X amount of dollars. And um, what the artist will do is they'll say, hey, if you donate you know, donate a dollar. Thank you. I'll give you a credit on the record or whatever. You know, $15 will get you the, the record and the EP. $25 will get you a T-shirt. And you just have all these rewards that you're going to give these people to donate to your cause. So is the record an actual album? It will be. Yeah. Oh, so so you actually okay. So you have the CD. You, you have a digital. We're in the process of creating and recording the rest of it. So. And do you want to make an like an album, like a vinyl? Exactly. We want. Well, I mean, it, we could. I mean, okay, no, so you okay? So you want to? You have a digital. You want to make the whole thing. Right. Now, we want to. Now, how many it. how many songs do you have right now on on the e on the digital? On the EP is just four. It's okay. just a limited release. And you then know? you want to do 10? eventually a full record, eleven or twelve tracks. Okay. So yeah. so people go to. They go to Kickstarter. Let's say I, let's say I go to Kickstarter.com. Yeah. Okay, I'm up there, Kickstarter.com. And I've donated a few projects. Remember yeah. Tom Choi? I don't think you knew yeah. Tom. I donated his short movie. Yeah. And uh, Rachel McClard, I think she was, I did, I don't think you know her. Yeah. But she was going, but I did, you know, d donate. Because, you know, she throw 20 bucks, whatever. And uh, so they, I go to Kickstarter. And then how do I find you? What do I type in? Well, we're we're about to start the okay. the actual campaign. Now, do you, do you have the title or anything yet? Not of the record just yet. Yeah. We're, that's kind of, it's. I'm waiting for that to materialize. I'm going to make all the songs, put them all together, and then we'll title it. Who knows? I might self-title it. I've never done that before. Jason Witten. Jason Witten. Then people. You, then what happens is, you and know, they'll go, "Hey, you're the Cowboys guy." I'm telling you, this may sound <laughs> weird, but you spell your name W I T T O N. W H I T T O N. He spells his W I T T E N. Yes. I bet. I, it's just, this is no lie. I bet that you you may get some hits from that just because. Yeah. If if you're not a huge football fan and you don't know how to spell it, and if you hear like Jason Witten and you type it in, has that? I wonder if this happened to you. If like if people have Googled him and accidentally put your name there's or, there's you know there's stuff on youtube and if you punch in it'll go to his stuff though so sometimes it's a it's a double-edged sword where it's just like you're trying to find your stuff that you've posted and it comes up jason witten the football player so it's sometimes it's it hurts you now what's some of the stuff you have on youtube oh just like videos and stuff and and all your songs go on there if you i go through a company called cd baby who will I've I, heard of them. Yeah, and they, they put all your stuff on YouTube and on iTunes and have it out there in the world so people can always get it digitally. So, you know, you have those, all the songs are up there, and there are some videos of stuff that I've done, some songs. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it, I think it gets a little buried when there's somebody who is famous. Right. All of their videos are going to come up in the queue first, and somewhere down at the bottom, oh, there I am. Oh, yeah. well, that happened to me when it, a while ago when you would, if you typed in, with the space guy, that's why I use one word for Cooper Talk. But yeah. if you typed in Cooper Space Talk, a lot of times when Anderson Cooper had his talk show, so it would say Coop, Anderson Cooper Show canceled, or and you know, because it's Cooper and Talk. So now you said the videos are they are they uh, performance videos, or did you actually make some videos? Some were made. Yeah, there's a couple up there that uh, you know that have been made. They're pretty you know low budget, but they're you know, nice representations of the songs. Um, and I think pretty much there's a couple, there's a few live performances up there and then the rest of them are all just the digital releases. Um, and I'm not one of those guys that's constantly putting up a video every day. I think in this world I probably should, shouldn't hurt because there are, you know, some artists that have gained some popularity by doing that exact thing, you know, where you put a video up suddenly it catches fire. Right. You know, you need to have that visual representation as an artist today. So it's definitely something that I, you know, need to do more of for sure. Now, when you shot those videos, you said they're low budget. Was it your idea? Did you sit there and go, okay, this is what I want to look like? Or did you work with someone or how did that work? No, no, they were put together by, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maya's mom put a couple of them together and, you know, they're just b very simple, simply done. Um, but, you know, I think they're, you know, 
they represent the music. I, I really, I dig them. Now, what happened to your foray into comedy? Because I remember that oh. when I used to, I used to book uh, this place called Victorios, and and back in the day, it was it was my friend's Italian restaurant. We got <laughs> we got we got people in the very beginning for like the first few weeks. It was packed, and then it went down because people just it was a whatever night, and it was a strip mall in Burbank. Uh, now, what made you want to do comedy? Because I know you you did. I killed I, that night. Did you? All right? There was like four people. There were like honest. four people there. Did you? I did you? Did you? I don't think you brought your guitar up though. No, <coughs> no, it was just straight comedy, man. So it what did made, like what? What like six minutes or something? But what made you? Because I mean, it would make sense because you did the speech. Yeah, and I mean you're a musician, so most of the time you have the and you're you know I mean you're you're a songwriter too, so it means you you can do words. But what made you want to do comedy? I've always been a fan of comedy. Um, you know, back in the day, I mean, remember remember Betamax or the the old school before the VHS? Oh, yeah, yeah. There we had um, it was Conan the Barbarian on it. And then right after that was Eddie Murphy, Delirious. And I just, I freaking watched that over and over and over again. And I was a big Cheech and Chong fan. Um, so, yeah, I've loved comedy since, you know, since I was a little kid. And there's always been that weird uh, connection between musicians and comedians. A lot of comedians want to be musicians. Oh, yeah. A lot of musicians want to be comedians. And I've always gotten along really well with my comedian buddies you know that just i like the way their brains work sometimes it's just you know music can get a little monotonous and boring sometimes but i'm sure if i were on the other side i'd probably want to do music if i were a comedian you now know? have you ever thought of doing song parodies i mean is that something that ever i mean are, are you because okay yeah. you're a pure, you're a pure singer songwriter so i understand like a lot of comics who do songs aren't singer songwriters they just sit there they go they got a guitar they go hey i'm funny it works it gets because of course a crowd you're you're going to close a show even if your song parodies suck because it's high energy yeah but for you is it because you're a purist and you're a singer songwriter you would think ah you know what that's that's i mean to you that's probably hackish I've, I've thought of it many many times and i prefer to just put a clever line in the song and make somebody laugh you know but not hey this is a you know 100 percent joke song i don't know the, the worlds have never really you know, combined completely. So I, yeah, maybe one day I could do a, you know, parody album. Who knows? You could be the next Ray Stevens. Oh, they call me the streak. Oh man. Uh, oh God. I remember way that. back. Um, yeah, I'm old. You know, 51. <laughs> Come on. Hey. Um, uh, so, okay. I was going to ask you, now you said earlier that some of your, in your, on your music, there's different like banjos and different stuff. A different uh do, do you play all them or what what do you or you just do you specifically play guitar or have you yeah okay you just play guitar guitar but i've got some really great, great players that have you know given me their time over the years and i i've i feel completely blessed to have these guys on the record they've they make the record what it is you know um and uh uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing I do multiple things is I do all pretty much all the harmonies. There's a there are a few tracks where there's a female harmony in it, but I mostly do all the harmonies, high harmonies, low harmonies. So all the stuff you hear in the background pretty much are, are my voices. And you never took a singing class or anything. You just you just not really. Now I mean, it's just so weird because you have a good voice, and it's always it's amazing how people know that they you know, that they find it's just it, it always fascinates me how you can find out you can sing like because when you're a kid kids you know make you know but when you fuck you find out you can sing it always fascinates me and then it must be like well wait a second you know i, I guess i gotta sing more i mean is that i mean if you you suck at singing you're not gonna sing that much right but now did you did you, did you sing a lot as a kid walking yeah. around yeah i was always singing i was always in my head always you know the daydreaming definitely i, I grew up in raised catholic so i went to catholic school so there was a lot of uh boring times <laughs> you know like i remember like you know being in church we had to go to church like twice a week and i was an altar boy i can remember like sitting there during like the stations of the cross thing and just like staring out the back of the church with the doors open you know i was always that kid that wanted to just like burst out of there those churches you know? those services are long i went because my girlfriend's catholic i went chris i went i went uh Christmas Eve, and yeah. I don't, we went to the. It's called the kids' service. It's at four or four thirty, and I want yeah. to do that because one, I don't feel like going to church at seven because it's packed. It's Christmas Eve, right? And two, I'm like, okay, it's a kids' service. It means it's gonna be it's gonna be short because I've been to Catholic services and they're like two hours. This is like an hour, and I'm like, all right. And, and they so, do it in Latin. Oh yeah, but this this is though because it's kids. They have the kids come up and then Santa Claus comes into the Catholic church, and it's like, all right, you know, I, I can I can I can deal with this. Now, now, who would you say are your influences in music? Like, if people always ask, different, who who are some influences for you or like music or artists that you really liked 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, what got me into it was Garth. I mean, he's just always, always loved his stuff. Um, I'm a big James Taylor fan. Okay. Love Tom Waits. I mean, I think he's probably, there's no question he's one of the best songwriters we've had in the last 50 years, you know. Um, those, and, you know, Eminem, like I said, I mean, even though it's a completely different style, you can appreciate, you know, the wordplay. Um, and it's it's always it's always inspiring and keeps me going. It keeps me writing. You know, dude's older than I am, and he's still you know kicking ass in hip hop. That's a that's you know it's crazy something, something to that. You know. Now, do you listen to music a lot? Or? Uh, all the time. Man. So I mean, so you, you I mean, when you play like some like some people do comedy who don't want to see comedy, but so you listen to music. I my favorite venue to go to in the world is you know the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, it's I um, a buddy of mine used to do like this group. Um, ticket thing where you pay to you know get a package deal and you get like 12 concerts throughout the summer at the hollywood ball but every show you go to there are like three or four acts so you can see like 40 50 bands in a span of a few months and you're constantly you know kcrw has their nights there so you're you're always seeing like indie bands that aren't quite there yet and they're on their way up and then you've got the huge jazz nights and you got the blues night reggae night i mean uh Toots and the Maytals, I saw, you know, saw them twice. Amazing, incredible. Like the best shows I've ever seen there. Um, uh, there it just goes on and on. Like, uh, you know, the guy who did the movie Once, you know that movie? I think so. Yeah. Swell Season was the band. It was the guy and the girl. We saw those guys there. Incredible, you know, and very just, very simple and beautiful. He plays his acoustic guitar. She plays the piano. But they just rocked the house. I mean, thousands and thousands of people there, and it, you 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 know you were just captivated by the moment. See, that's yeah. what's great about LA. You get these, you know, you get so many lineups. Like I know Dave Grohl played at the Forum the other night, mm. and you hear Zach Wilde came and played with him, and then uh, Tenacious D came out, and then Perry Farrell came out. Then he closes with a uh, Panama and Ain't Talking About Love. David Lee Roth came. It was his birthday. Alice yeah. Cooper came out. I mean, oh. you sit there, and that's what LA is great. Is you know, you know, it's like when I I went to see Springsteen in Anaheim, mm-hmm. uh, and Mike Ness from Social D came up, and it's just like wow, it's so cool, you know, because it's just and it happens in LA. You know, Mike Ness isn't going to join. Springsteen anywhere Springsteen's a huge fan of Social D but that's what's just cool about LA because you, when you do see a concert you can see so much stuff oh man I took my dad to see um, Glenn Campbell on his final farewell farewell tour Jackson Brown came out I mean a lot of the big dudes from the 70s came out and, and sang oh man it, it was incredible an incredible night and I've, I mean I've seen everybody there Lyle Lovett you know uh, uh, at the Greek, you know, I mean, the Greek is huge. You, you, you Greek's been there. amazing. It's, it's, it's incredible. The venue is just you. You're out in the stars, and you're listening to the incredible music. How can you beat that? I saw Yes there this year, and I saw an '80s concert there, and they were, they were great. Yeah, amazing. White Stripes were incredible there. I mean, whew. now are you playing? Do you still get out and play live a lot, or are you just concentrating on the studio, or what's up? When I'm when I'm recording and we're doing stuff like that, you we're really focusing on getting in there, getting the time because it's you know you work, you got you got to have your day job. You know, that's that's something that's very important. I think a lot of, I think a lot of guys just get lost in that whole thing. They're like, "No, man, I can't have a regular job, man. I need, I need to be ready for a tour or something." It's like, no, you need to have your just, you know, your shit together. You gotta have a day job. You gotta pay the bills, um, but don't let that, you know, keep you from being, you know, creative and go out there and, and really do what you want to do. You know, there's, that's why I keep writing and keep performing because it's just. I don't know. I don't know how to do it any other way. You know, whether I get big or not, I'm always going to be recording and, and putting stuff down and and, and playing music. I, I, you know, and you've released music. You've released, you yeah. know, three 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 CDs. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's a lot more than you know. There's so many people sit here and they just, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a musician. So what have you? And especially now, I mean, and, and you released them when it was hard to release. I mean, it was it wasn't like now you can, as I said, you can do it on your tablet, you can do it on a computer. Right. But that's what's great is too, because you know, it's just people understand that it's a grind. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have to do this stuff. You know, it's like, and you don't you get better and you grow as an artist, and people don't understand that. So now, do you like performing live? I mean, is it something you like, or I mean, some people aren't crazy about it. Or do you... I, I like it when I'm finished with it. You know okay. what I mean? After the show, I feel really good. For the EP, for the the release, we did. Um, I did a big show at the Hotel Cafe, and people came out, and you know, it wasn't a huge crowd, but hey, you know, I represented. Um, but I was so nervous before that that gig, man. I had like insomnia for like a day and a half, 
And I just, I think it happens when you start to do fewer and fewer shows, you get, it gets harder and harder to get up, you know, on the stage. But I do love it. It, it is an adrenaline thing. And, and once it's over, you're like, holy shit, I'm so glad I did that. Right. But leading up to it, you're just like, ooh. I, when I started doing comedy back in the day, I would feel away. But then after a while, it's one of the reasons why I got out of it. I was on stage in Youngstown, Ohio, and doing a 45-minute set. And I just like, I was going through the motions. I was like, hey, this is not why I do this. This, you know, You're supposed to do it for fun. Yeah. So now, so now what, 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 where can people get in touch with you? We have about five minutes left. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, um, the, just the, the, the EP that we've got out, My Way Home, you can get it digitally on cdbaby.com. Um, find me on iTunes uh, under Jason Witten, W-H-I-T-T-O-N. Um, you can hit me up on Facebook. I'm on Reverb Nation. Uh, what is Reverb Nation? <laughs> Reverb Nation is you can a bunch of artists can put their music up there. It's kind of in the vein of MySpace, I guess. You can have your music up there. People can listen to your tracks and buy them, download them. Just like SoundCloud. SoundCloud is very similar. You throw your tracks up there. People can come in and stream them. And if they really like them, they can download them. If you is have SoundCloud them free? Uh, yes. Could I, could I put my... I, I think you can buy an, a, like a, a more, a deeper kind of thing. Like with Reverb, you can pay to have your stuff you know, submitted and, and, and sent out more. <laughs> but you can do all this stuff pretty much for free. Could I put my show on SoundCloud? Yeah. Okay, I might yeah. do that. I don't yeah. know. Hey, why not? Hey, why you know, not? And so now, now do you after you after you get the you start you're starting the the the, what's the Kickstarter it very yeah, soon. That's going to be very soon. And now, how will people find information about that on your go, Facebook page? Or? Yeah, go to my Facebook page, Jason Witten, uh, and you can also go to the Kickstarter website, Kickstarter.com. So this we're going to have it up next week. So if they check it out. Please support and uh, be awesome. Once it gets done, are you going to start playing some live gigs again? Absolutely. And we're going to do part of the uh, one of the rewards is if you donate X amount of dollars, you can actually come out to the studio, see where we're recording it. We're going to have a giant barbecue. We're going to have some food and some booze and play some live music for you as well. Where, do you, where are you recording at? It's in North Hollywood, my buddy's studio. Amazing studio. Well, when's when's the booze and, and food? Um, that's later on down when, after the Kickstarter and we've raised our money. We're going to invite the people that donated that for that section of it to come out and have a live, See, that's cool. live show. Yeah. Now, well, now, do you ever walk out of the studio and just feel like you didn't nail it that day? Does that frustrate you? Absolutely. Yeah. You want to be on point, man. You want to be focused and get in there. And, you know, my buddy Brian, who owns a, a Burgatron Music and Post, that's where I record at. He's he's fantastic, professional, and when you walk into a place and it's professional, you feel a little you know at ease, and I, that that helps to find somebody that you can feel comfortable with, bearing your soul. Because even though you're recording in, it's it's very controlled. You are you know you're putting it out there for everybody to hear. So how do you bounce back though? If you go if you walk out of the studio, you don't feel like you did a good job. How do you get yourself psyched up? Does does it get in your head at all, or you just sit there and go, I got I got to kill it the next day? I mean, yeah, one of the, you just gotta let it roll off your back, man. All right. Well, you know what we got to do? We got to give you new. You, you should get on Twitter. You're not on Twitter, are you? I, I am, but I don't post. I'm on there as Yobi Free. What the hell is that? I, I, I <laughs> you should get a that's Twitter com- account. That's my comedy name, man. And, and you should tweet uh, your links to your music so people can find out. Yeah, okay. Because it's Twitter, and you know, I'm sure Jason Witten is available. I don't know any other, I mean, the way you spell it. Uh, yeah. And you might right. get it when people put Jason Witten. You might get people go, hey, who's this? Who is this? So, okay, so once again, give all your quick info. Yes. Uh, Jason Witten at Facebook. You can get, find me on iTunes, Jason Witten, W-H-I-T-T-O-N. Find me on SoundCloud or Reverb Nation. And check his music out, people, and also go to, uh, at the end of next week, Kickstarter. Go up and check it out, because, you know, it's always good. You know, a CD, you know, you, you, you'll get a CD when it's done, and you can't complain about that. So follow him on Facebook. Please follow him on Twitter, because he's going to get an account soon, so it's going to be at Jason Witten. I'm going to keep on his ass, so on Monday, follow him at Jason Witten. They won't follow you. No one ever follows me. Like, I sit there, I can say mine. I'm like, they, they listen to me. They don't follow me. Anyway, so, yeah, check him out, please. It was great having you. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, guys. And uh, it's, I haven't seen him for a while. It's been, oh, God, a long time. Anyway. Also, people, uh, follow me on Twitter. That's uh, at Cooper Talk. Follow me on Twitter. I always tweet jokes. I tweet some stuff coming up. Um, you can also go to Facebook. I, I don't go to the fan page because I don't use it. You, can t- you know, look up Steve Cooper, and you'll see me with a hat. Well, I think I'm on a microphone on this one. Also, uh, go to iTunes or Stitcher and type in Cooper Talk one word. I'm up there. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 325 episodes. You can also email me. 
uh, Cooper at coopertalk.net. Uh, keep your eyes out. My cookbook, Stop the Salt, should be popping hopefully in the next month or two. So follow that on Twitter. And I want to give a shout out to a few stations that play me. Uh, WSDICHicago.com is a great station. AllRadioX.com is awesome. The405Media.com is great. And RantRadioNetwork.com. Check them out. They have so many other good shows. I mean, I'm on, you know, once a week for two hours just like this, but go check it out and, you know, support these people. And WildfireRadio.com, WildfireRadio.com from South Jersey. I'll be starting there next week. Great station. Uh, I'll be in the lineup with me, comic Steve Simone, and Joe Matteris. That's going to be every Saturday night. So check that out. So yeah, follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. Have a great day.